0: Hey everyone, it's Brian, and if you're listening in real time, there is just one week to go until the big day. Yes, we're in the final countdown now. Maybe you've already started some of your food prep, maybe you're getting packed up for your travel plans, or maybe some of your Christmas guests have arrived from out of town. For months now, we've been hearing that it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Well, it's not beginning to look like it anymore, it's beginning to be Christmas, and it's time to savor every precious moment while it lasts. And when family and friends come together this time of year, playing games is among the most popular ways to bond and have fun together. And what better kind of game than a game of Christmas trivia? Well, that's what brings us together today. And tomorrow. In a first here on Christmas Past, we're doing a special double-header. Two back-to-back games of Christmas trivia for the Christmas Past family. Today, the name of the game is Two Truths and a Lie. This is the game where a topic is introduced, followed by three statements related to that topic, one of which is a lie. Your job is to test your Christmas knowledge and deception detection skills. And tomorrow the name of the game is Shepardy, a Jeopardy-inspired game where the questions get harder as the point value increases. Today and tomorrow playing with me is Rachel from New York, longtime friend of the show, Christmas cookie-baking powerhouse, and a big Christmas trivia enthusiast. So get ready to match wits with us as we begin this first installment of this special Christmas trivia doubleheader. Put your Christmas spirit to the test with this game of Two Truths and a Lie. Rachel, welcome back to Christmas Past.
1: Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Hi, the Christmas Past family.
0: Yes. Hello, Christmas past family. And as we go through our little two truths and a lie game, we'll get a chance to know Rachel a little bit better. But for now, why don't we get right to the good stuff before I need to set up the game for you. Uh, Two truths and a lie is a game where I will introduce a topic and then give three statements on that topic. Two of them are true and one of them is completely made up. One thing that I'll assure you is that if a statement is false, it's completely false. Not that I took a true statement and changed one little thing about it in an effort to trip you up. False statements are totally made up by me. And for this game only, all statements have to do with Christmas in the 1970s. Now, I don't suppose Rachel is fortunate enough to have experienced any part of the 1970s, (sighs) but I sure have, and I am a better man for it. Christmas in the 70s was wonderful. And again, Rachel, this is more about you seeing if you can spot my lie, if you can pick up my tell on a lie, and just to have some fun talking about some fun Christmas history. Are you ready to give this a try?
1: I'll do my best. I mean, I was born in 83, but... uh we'll we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, do so, I don't know if I've ever admitted my age on the show, but I'm 47. I was born in 1974. Okay. And so I would say I spent about half of my childhood in the the mid to late 70s and the other half in the 80s. Uh, by okay. the time I was a teen or too cool for school the 90s were approaching and the 90s mm-hmm. weren't a very good Christmas decade anyhow. So I don't remember most of the stuff I'm going to be talking about, but there's probably pictures of me with some of the things that we'll be referring to. Uh, And the first question has to do with the game Simon. Now, you know that one, right?
1: I do know Simon.
0: It's the four little colors and they do patterns Mm -hmm. that you have to match. Well, in 1978, that was one of the top selling Christmas toys on the market. Okay, now that's true. Here are three statements. See if you can spot the false one. Okay. First, there was a copycat version of the product that hit the market and it was called literally copycat. Statement number two, Jimmy Carter famously gave one to Egyptian President Anwar Sadat while visiting that country. Okay. Or three, its inventor is the same man behind what's considered the first video game console.
1: Ooh, I don't know. I'm feeling like the first statement that's called copycat, that sounds, that's, that sounds a little iffy to me. I'm going to go with the first one.
0: You think that's the, the false one?
1: That's the false one. That uh, copycat game was named called Copycat.
0: Okay, well, score one for Brian the Liar, because oh, that was no. totally true. It was that Jimmy Carter uh, gave one to Anwar Sadat. I just oh, made I that thought
1: that up. would be kind of interesting. I kind of wanted that to be true.
0: <laughs> and it's also true that the inventor is also the inventor of the first video game console. For a bonus point, which you're not going to get, but let's have some fun with it. Can you, okay. do you know the name of that video game console? Uh, It's not the Atari, is it? It was simply called the Brown Box.
1: Oh, wow. That must have been ancient. (laughs) Can you guess why it was
0: called the Brown Box?
1: Was it because it was a box and it was brown?
0: Both of those are true, yes. (laughs) Yes. So you've redeemed yourself. You got some part of the question. (laughs) As we move on to question number two. Now this, okay, okay, this is where I benefit from having been a 70s child. I have lots of those storybook records, you know, vinyl records that tell stories. I do too. I love it. And so back in the 70s, The Six Million Dollar Man starring Lee Majors was Mm -hmm. a big, big show. And there's actually a record with four stories, Christmas stories involving The Six Million Dollar Man. Okay. I'm going to read and describe three stories, but one of them I totally made up. (laughs) Okay. First one, a story called Short Circuit Santa, in which a villain kidnaps Santa to try to steal his Christmas magic and replaces him with a robot clone. Or is it two, Elves Revolt, in which Santa's elves stage a labor strike and hire an enforcer to imprison Santa Claus? Or, number three, Christmas lights, in which scientists discover that the star of Bethlehem was actually an alien message encoded in a supernova. Oh, geez. Now, two of those are actually true, let me remind you.
1: Yeah, I know, and they're all really good. Um, Wow, I'm almost leaning towards the second one. The labor shortage? The labor shortage, just because Mm -hmm. it wasn't as, like, fantastical and science-y? Mm-hmm yeah final answer i guess oh, yeah. i'm sorry
0: you've oh, yet to score man. a point it was the short circuit santa Friend, you should
1: have set me up with the 90s christmas <laughs> i could have nailed that
0: next time next time i'm sure there are a lot of 70s christmas people listening who may or may not uh, recognize some of these yeah. things
1: so which one was the lie
0: the lie was the short circuit Santa, the one where uh, someone replaces Santa with a robot clone.
1: Oh, but I thought that was perfect. That would have been it a great It sounds,
0: one. yeah, we can write that story together <laughs> and record it. There we go. Okay, so let's stay on old school records. Uh, okay. Peter Pan. Do you remember Peter Pan records? I They're the do. Ones- I do. They published all of these uh, and they had a bunch of originals too. So, you know, some of them were brands. I think they also put out the the famous Disney Mickey Mouse Carol, but -hmm. they came up with their own stuff Uh, and they were not averse to putting out knockoff sounding Christmas characters. So these are three records with characters that sound like kind of knockoffs of well-known Christmas characters, one of which I just made up. Was it Friendly the Snowman or was it The Grouch Who Stole Christmas? Or oh, Richard the Sharp Eared Reindeer.
1: Oh wow! Um, Richard the Sharp Eared Reindeer sounds terrible. What was the fir- What was the first one that was a knockoff of Frosty?
0: Friendly the Snowman.
1: Friendly the Snowman. Hmm. Oh God! I hate that I'm completely <laughs> guessing these. I'm gonna go with the Sharp Eared Reindeer. That sounds awful.
0: And you think that's the false one?
1: The false
0: one. I'm sorry. It was the grouch who stole Christmas <laughs> that was the false one. Oh, Richard no. the sharp eared reindeer is is an actual and I have all of these, by this is how I know these, for these questions. <laughs> and I these own, are what
1: like, these are Peter Pan records.
0: Yep, it's a Peter Pan record and storybook. You know, the kind that says when you hear the chimes ring, it's time to turn yeah. the page. Turn the
1: record. So Richard
0: the sharp eared yeah. reindeer is, as you might imagine, a, a reindeer named Richard who has like supersonic hearing.
1: Oh. That's not the kind of sharp I was envisioning. I was envisioning well, in the, in the, really pointy ears.
0: His ears are pointy, but that's not what <laughs> makes them sharp in the world of, of Richard the Sharp-Eared Reindeer. Okay. okay. So again, Man, don't feel I'm, bad because it's it's all about bad. spotting the lie, not knowing the answer. Sure. Uh, and you're,
1: this is the problem is I'll listen to the show and I'll uh-huh. do awesome. I'll do so awesome. And now <laughs> I'm like you, you really have honed your skill in creating some very truthfully sounding lies.
0: Yeah, you know, and <laughs> the secret, yeah, I don't know what the secret is. It, it does take time to get them to sound consistent. Yeah. Um, okay, so number four, you know Feliz Navidad by Jose Feliciano, yes. okay? Yes. Here are three statements about that. Number one, it didn't make it onto the Billboard chart until 1998. And let me back up, it it actually came out in 1970, The song. Right. Uh, number two, in 1980, the song was covered by a band from Estonia, but the cover was not intended as a Christmas song. Or, statement three, Feliciano admitted in an interview that the lyrics were only intended to be placeholders, but the label insisted on releasing the song as is.
1: Oh, that's kind of interesting. The first one, what was the first one again?
0: That it didn't make it onto the Billboard chart until 1998.
1: I feel like I'm going to go with that one. Because, I I mean, everybody knows Feliz Navidad. I had the record, the Avon record. Mm Mm-hmm with dolly parton and
0: yeah yeah I have yeah that i had on. that
1: record and it was on there
0: well uh, i'll give you a point for being consistent in that uh it was actually that uh at the, least the, the lyrics were intended as placeholders that's the false one really. Um, and you know what inspired that have you seen the new beatles documentary
1: yes get yes. back
0: and you see their songwriting process where they yeah, play and they just kind of like mouth nonsense lyrics yeah. until like, they you know, and so that's a very common thing. And there actually is precedent for that. That song that's like, na, 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 hey, hey, yeah, hey that's, that's the story behind that. that they they were just, you know, saying nonsense stuff while they were coming up with the real lyrics. But oh, then the record label just released it. See, that way.
1: I was kind of leaning to that one, but I didn't want to believe it to be true because (sighs) it's so good come on it's so good it's perfect
0: (laughs) but i do love that beatles documentary it's It's, um
1: yeah it's intense and watching it all like unfold before your mm. eyes is crazy because you know these lyrics forward and backwards and they just kind of come together
0: i think yeah i know (laughs) they (laughs) <laughs> what I like about it is most documentaries, you know, you have like a voiceover and then you go to like some talking head who's given context and then you go to a clip level. This is none of that. Like you're just sitting no. in a room with them watching them. Create. I know
1: it's kind of eerie. It's, it's yeah. like no, it we're really watching is. something we shouldn't be watching.
0: In, in a way it does feel like that, especially Invasive, when they kind of get almost. snippy with one another. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but I do say the episodes, I feel like, are a little too long. I can only watch about... The
1: whole thing is very long. Yeah. yeah. My husband is a big fan, so we've been watching that a lot.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I just absolutely love yeah. The Beatles. So I yeah. subscribe to Disney Plus for that purpose alone. I saw that, um, yeah. Speaking of Disney... Oh, no, we're not going to get to a Disney song. I am feeling so
1: bad. I want to get one right. I just okay, got to get one right.
0: Maybe you can get this one right. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll But see. speaking of The Beatles, our next song has to do with Paul McCartney, okay. uh, who wrote a Simply very well-known a wonderful yep. christmas time that's from nine that's from the 70s that's from 1979 and here are three statements about that song okay. even to this day paul mccartney earns several hundred thousand dollars a year off the song or is it number two in a book about paul mccartney the author questions what the song even has to do with christmas or number three according to paul mccartney himself the song took over a week to write
1: huh i kind of feel like number two where they question what it even has to do with christmas
0: i'm feeling that
1: what was number three it took over a week to write
0: uh yeah it took over a week to write
1: gosh it doesn't really feel like the kind of song that would take that long okay i'm gonna go with number three i'm gonna go with number three i'm gonna switch my answer
0: okay just, that is that allowed sucker
1: did not take a week to write
0: very good you're on the board
1: hey! with One. Point. i got um, one
0: and in fact it was the opposite he said he wrote it in ten minutes.
1: Oh yeah. It kind yeah. of feels like a 10 minute song. Sorry, Paul. Well, that was the thing. It's, the it's, irony would matter. have been,
0: if, if that was something that he had obsessed over, you know, and then the, right. the result was that It'd song. It'd be like, Oh, I mean, it's funny. all
1: right, but it's, it's not a lot. I don't think it rope. deserves
0: all the hate <laughs> that it gets. Like, it's not my favorite. Christmas. I don't, song, hate, it no, I don't I like hate it in the least. I don't hate it in the least. But no, one of his biographers did say, you know, like, what does the song even have to do with Christmas? Because he says, you know, the word Christmas time is in it and there's a choir But the rest of it is like, you know, the the moon is out, the feelings, right? It's not very Christmassy, the lyrics. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I have 15 questions for you. We just completed five. So let's call that the end of the first of three rounds. Okay. Okay. Uh, So we can take a little break in between (laughs) rounds. (laughs) Get a chance to know Rachel better, who's uh, recently done a lot of cookie baking there in New York. Oh, yeah.
1: Big time. Yeah. What kind of
0: cookies did you make?
1: So I made chocolate chip cookies, mm-hmm. obviously, but that's kind of the filler, you know, cause I also do the cut out sugar cookies and I frost them and it takes me hours and hours. It's like art. Yeah. And then I also do these, um, cream cheese poinsettias. I have a cookie gun and it like squirts the cookie dough mm-hmm. on the pan. And then I put a maraschino cherry in there. And that's kind of what I do for just the neighborhood. I put them on plates and deliver around to, to the neighbors and-
0: yeah, my That's mom nice. had one of those cookie guns. She made anise and um, oh. some other a- almond. Yeah, they're the best.
1: Yes. Yeah, so and she would good. put
0: green and red food coloring into the, Like yep. So there'd be different colors. Um, but yeah, so I saw pictures of the cookies that you made and the frosting, the way that you do it. Um, like, I don't know if there's like a word for the style of that kind of frosting, but it has like this, I don't know how to describe it. Very like authentic, homey oh. look to it, you know, which which is a compliment because yeah. I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I just slather it on there and put some sprinkles. So
0: it's not—it's
1: nothing, nothing wild and crazy, but I try to make them all a little bit different.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my oh. Christmas baking this year, um, all I've made is cinnamon almonds, the kind that we get at the Great Dickens Christmas yeah, Fair here yeah. in in the Bay Area. They published the recipe last year when they had to cancel because of COVID. Yeah. And they're surprisingly easy to make. And oh my really? goodness, they are wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, cool. And so later today, I'm going to try to make a Christmas pudding now, last year, oh. I tried making one according to this famous eighteen forty five recipe that came out right after Charles Dickens made the Christmas pudding basically a famous mm-hmm. Christmas item um, <laughs> And it was okay, but it was so boozy. You have to put a yeah. lot of cognac into it, yeah. And I you know, because you want to set is, it on
1: fire, right? Well,
0: so you That's can do that idea? afterwards if you douse the outside of it and you okay. can you can light that on fire, But this you actually put booze into. the the concoction and and let it steam. And, you know, I like fruitcakes that have like a little bit of that flavor, but you know, the idea is it's supposed to, you know, mix with the other flavors and be subtle and sort of like bring out all the other stuff going on and not just like taste like alcohol. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so this, this pudding that I made last year just tasted overly boozy. So I want to try something different this year and I'm not doing a traditional one. I'm doing one that Jamie Oliver uh, had on his website. well, you can't go wrong then. Right. It it won't be (laughs) traditional, but it'll it'll probably be good.
1: Okay. Okay, so are you ready
0: for another round of fun and excitement (sighs) here?
1: Maybe I'll get more than one this round. We'll have to see.
0: So in this round, we're going to start off with a question about TV specials from the 1970s. Okay. And there are lots of different kinds of specials. This was a golden age of variety programming, as you, you know, the um, mm-hmm. where, I don't know if you remember, you probably don't, shows like Solid Gold or things like that, where variety shows, you know, you'd have like a musician. Yeah, and I've a heard of them. Yeah. Stick. Maybe we'll talk about one of those in this question. Oh, okay. So here are three TV specials from the 1970s. Okay. Number one, Benji's very own Christmas special. And just to set the context for people who don't know, Benji was a Benji's famous a dog, movie right? dog from Benji's very own Christmas special, in which Santa Claus performs a musical number. Was it, number two, Christmas with the Blue Oyster Cult? Or, number three, A Very Merry Cricket, a cartoon in which a cat, a mouse, and a cricket attempt to save Christmas? I don't know if the Blue Oyster
1: Cult would do a Christmas special. I mean, when I I think of, like, variety shows, I think of, like, you know, Sonny and Cher, you know, Carol Burnett kind of thing.
0: It was the 70s.
1: yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with the Blue Oyster Cult didn't do a Christmas special.
0: Okay, well, good for you. That's two questions, right? That was the oh, false one. Oh, yay! Yeah. But now we have mm-hmm. to talk about, um, if we're going to talk about the 70s and Christmas, eventually we need to talk about the Star Wars Holiday Special, Ugh. which came out in 1978 and is widely regarded as one of the worst things worst. ever put on television. <laughs> I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but I was when I was a Neither kid. You know, I. I had all the yeah. Star Wars toys. As an adult, I'm not into it. But um, I decided I was going to try to watch it. Just ironically, just you know, we've got the, Disney
1: Plus now, so
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't even sit through. Like, I can't even get through the first ten or fifteen minutes of it. It's, really? I, it, I just can't. Like, even watching it ironically, I just can't do it. Oof, um, oof. But let me read you three statements about the Star Wars Holiday Special and see okay. if you can spot the lie. Statement number one: In an uncredited cameo, NFL star Mean Joe Green appears as a Wookie. Number two: (laughs) A scene featuring Darth Vader talking to an officer on the Death Star is actually footage cut from the 1978 movie Uh, A New Hope. Okay. Or was that 1978? Well, you know the first this first hour. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Or statement number three: One of the writers actually admitted to being high on cocaine while writing the special. Oh
1: boy, I don't think you would make that part up, Brian. Uh. I kind of want to go the second. The first one was an uncredited football player. Yeah.
0: Mean Joe Green appears in a Wookiee costume, but you don't know it's him.
1: Okay. And the second one was.
0: The scene featuring Darth Vader talking to an officer was actually footage cut from the actual movie.
1: I think I'm going to I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with the footage cut from a movie. was not true.
0: Uh, It sounds like your first instinct was the Mean Joe Green one. and That was the false one.
1: Oh, it was so like detailed. Like you had the name of the guy, you had the character. I thought for sure that that was true.
0: That was hard for me to write because I don't even like, I barely understand like how football works. Like, I don't know anything. I started to like Google, like who are seventies football players? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, here's what, here's another one. Question number eight, grandma got run over by a reindeer you know that song yep one of my least favorite okay well this part is true uh the song was introduced in 1978 by a couple Mm -hmm. who did hotel gigs on the side for fun and the gig in question was actually um in tahoe so not too far from where i am right now okay here are three statements about the song uh number one the husband who was a veterinarian sold his veterinary hospital to finance a music video for the song number two Saint Nicholas Music Incorporated, which is the publisher that owns the rights to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, filed a lawsuit claiming that the song's negative depiction of Christmas reindeer was damaging to its brand. Or number three, the Grey Panthers, an organization that combats ageism, once called the song called out the song for being ageist.
1: I feel like number two. Number is the false one. Is the false one? I don't think the. Uh... I don't think the record company is real.
0: Okay, well, that's another one for you then. And is, is that three or four? No, I think it's three um, total. Okay, well, good enough. Um St. Nicholas <laughs> Music Incorporated is the actual publishing company that owns the rights oh, to Rudolph. Like that part. See, true, that but... sounded
1: silly to me. That sounded yeah. really. <laughs>
0: Uh, okay. Let's see. Question number nine is about Black Christmas, a 1974 slasher movie. Have you ever heard of that one?
1: Ooh, I have heard of that one. They just did a remake, didn't they?
0: Yeah. Back in 2019, I believe.
1: Yeah. Like college girls or something getting murdered.
0: Yeah. I think it was on <laughs> Christmas Eve. Um, yeah. And so let me read you three statements about that and see okay. if you can. Oh, okay. So also to set the context, this was also directed by Bob Clark, who who did A Christmas Story. Yeah. Yeah. And that part's true. So here are the three statements, and you'll see if you can spot the lie. Number one, it was one of the highest grossing movies in 1974. Number two, the star, Olivia Hussey, decided to take the role after her psychic advised her to. Or number three, Gilda Radner was originally part of the cast, but had to drop out to start her role on Saturday Night Live.
1: Okay, I have to go with number three, because I worship Gilda, and I don't want her to be anything part of that terrible movie.
0: I'm sorry, but that was she I don't know if she started filming or if she was just attached to the project or something like that. But that part, according to IMDb, anyway, Um, my
1: lovely queen. No,
0: (laughs) she she's. Yeah, she was amazing. She's fantastic. It was actually the it was the highest grossing uh, one of the highest grossing movies of 1974. That That was also the year that me to believe. Chinatown, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles. It was nowhere near one of the highest grossing movies of 1974.
1: Yeah, Yeah. you know, I heard that one, and I'm like, oh, that could be like a tricky one. Mm -hmm. You know, you're tricking me because it seems so obvious that that would not be the highest grossing movie. Whatever. This is
0: the this is how we play the game. I know you're so tricky, Brian Earl. Come on. And the audience uh, obviously cannot see what I'm seeing right now, but I'm seeing a cat peeking into the back of of Rachel's.
1: That's Luna. She's trouble. She's going to knock my board over on me here in a minute. I'm sure of it.
0: Okay. Question number 10 has to do with the pet rock. Have you ever heard of the pet rock? I have heard of the pet rock. It was a short-lived fad from 1975, and it lasted long enough to become a popular Christmas item uh, in Christmas mm. of 1975. Here are three statements about the Pet Rock. Spot the lie. Number one, okay. it came with a training manual. Number two, they <laughs> came available with or without googly eyes. Or at number three, the oh, creator yeah. made millions and used, that same, used the money to open a bar.
1: I think number two. I do not think they came with googly eyes. I think the whole idea was to just be a rock with yep, zero you're personality right. that was the fake one
0: <laughs> they, they did not come with googly eyes although i've seen plenty of pictures of people putting googly eyes on. oh it.
1: sure i'm sure everybody could just dress it up however they'd like but no that's yeah
0: and the inventor yeah he he made a bunch of money mm-hmm. and opened a bar in los gatos california which is two towns over from where i am it's not around anymore but yeah.
1: Well, god bless him i mean yeah <laughs> it's kind of silly how he made his money but he made his money
0: He was in in advertising. I think he was doing okay to begin with, but that was one of those things where like, he just made a ton of money within a single year and then basically it was like, okay, cashing in. Okay, be done. Okay, so that was question number 10. So I guess we are arbitrarily at the end of what we're going to call round two of this game. Uh, And I think you're on the board with three or four points. I
1: think I've got four.
0: I'm a very bad scorekeeper. It's not about keeping score in this game. It's just about having fun. (laughs) So what are your plans for Christmas this year?
1: Um, Well, last year we had to cancel all the friend parties, but this year we have a lineup. We've got one on Friday this coming week, one on Saturday, then Christmas Eve at my in-laws, Christmas Day or Christmas morning at my parents, then Christmas night at my extended families. We just we're doing it up this year. We're vaccinated. Even my kid is vaccinated and we're just trying to make the most of it, even though there's a slight uptick in New York State but
0: yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a, I think a slight uptick almost everywhere. Yeah. I think a lot of families are making up for lost time. And, um, now Brian, you're headed home this year. Or are you coming back East? No. Um, oh, we will sometime gonna... within the next year, but not for okay. Christmas. And that's partly because around August, which was when the time we were going to start looking at flights, mm-hmm. et cetera, is when the Delta variant surge came. Right, and so we thought right. twice about that. Dash is too young to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And he's at the age where he just crawls around and puts everything in his mouth. So, you know, we knew if if something, if anything at all catchy was right. going around, he would almost certainly He'll get pick it. pick it up. New parents, we just really weren't weren't up for the risk so you know there will it. be time for all of that but not not this christmas unfortunately let's go back into round three the final round so i have five more questions okay. for you and we're going to start with one of my favorite christmas songs merry christmas darling by the carpenters you know that one? Oh, karen carpenter beautiful.
1: passed away the day i was born
0: Oh, really?
1: Oh, yeah. My grandmother loved the Carpenters.
0: Yeah. I mean, Love. easily one of the best voices of that era. Just like the perfect contralto voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, just the we really lost her too soon.
1: vibrato. It was. Yeah.
0: Here are three statements about that song. OK. Number one, Elvis Presley planned on releasing a cover of the song, but he gave up on the idea after it turned out he couldn't learn how to play it. Number two. The lyrics for the song were actually given to the Carpenters by one of their music professors who had written them decades earlier. Hmm. Or number three, the line, in my dream, I'm Christmasing with you, is thought to be what prompted Webster's Dictionary to add Christmas as a verb to its 1973 edition.
1: I'm kind of torn between Elvis and Christmasing. I don't think Christmas is a verb in Webster's Dictionary. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go with number three. I don't and, think Christmas is a verb.
0: And you are correct. Yay! <laughs> Although, I mean, I guess it's in the same way that, you know, summer could be a verb, as in I'll, I'll be summering. Right. we're and, summering like, yeah. this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can make anything a verb if you really try hard enough, but it doesn't belong in the dictionary that way.
0: And in my most recent uh, episode on chestnuts, we were talking about how chestnutting was a verb, uh, meaning like to go the same as going apple picking, like to go pick yeah, chestnuts yeah. was to go chestnutting. And so, yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe Elvis wasn't a skilled musician, uh, but he couldn't know. figure out how yeah. to play it. Well. I'm a very, very bad pianist. And so I have a bunch of, you know, like a bunch of music books mm-hmm. and I have the sheet music for Merry Christmas Darling. And I do know that it has a lot of, you know, seventh chords and you know, things like mm-hmm. that, like a little more complex harmonies maybe that's what he was having trouble with but i don't know
1: maybe the carpenter's are very talented musicians so yeah
0: yeah well yeah they like went to school for it they were mm-hmm. like actual music students
1: yeah and karen was a drummer which is super cool i know yeah
0: did she sing and drum at the same time yeah yeah like Phil collins style
1: yeah she was very talented
0: so here's question number 12. This is one of my favorite things about researching those backstory episodes, as I read like old newspapers and as part yeah. of the way that I research. So, uh, as part of the outtakes of my research this year, I wrote a question for you based oh. on reading the Santa Cruz Sentinel newspaper. This mm-hmm. is an edition that I read from Christmas Eve, Eve of 1977. I'm going to describe three articles that appeared in the newspaper that day, one of which is uh, something I made up. So, is it number one, an article claiming that the Yule log actually comes from Persia? Number two, an article to help grandparents know which disco records to buy their grandkids? (laughs) Or number three, an article about how 1,200 pounds of Christmas mail was abandoned on a mountaintop?
1: Oh, I really don't think the Yule log originated in Persia. I don't think that's a thing. I'm going to go with the first one.
0: I'm sorry to say. And so, let's see. Maybe I'll give you partial credit for that because you're right, um, but the article said that it was.
1: Oh, oh, shoot. Yeah. Oh, darn.
0: Usually nowadays when you say Persia, you always put in parentheses like roughly modern day Iran, right? Like there is no country called Persia, Um, but it said it was a Persian tradition and it was a really short article. And I, I don't really know. It was like one of those little like things to fill up an inch of column space. And the, um, the mail being lost, that was, it wasn't in Santa Cruz. It was like an associated press article about uh-huh. how a cargo plane, it crashed. And oh, no. among other things, it was really a, like, they were not talking about the most important thing. Cause like a plane crashed. And I think some people right. died. Let's talk um, about that. <laughs> but then they're also like, oh, and by the oh, way, no, our presence. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. So we've already talked about some records from the 70s, but we haven't talked about like novelty records, which were a big thing back in the day. So in 1976, two of these records came out and one of them didn't. See if you can spot the lie. Was it number one, Santa is a bionic man. And in that (laughs) song, Santa is a bionic man. A bionic Uh, man. Number two, CB Santa Claus, in which Santa needs to recruit a trucker to help him deliver toys after his reindeer are incapacitated. Oh. or number 3 Stuntman Santa in which Santa's Christmas Eve mission turns into an action-packed obstacle course.
1: Okay, I'm feeling like the CP Santa is true. Okay. Because I I feel like my husband has shown me records from the 70s where they're like truckers. Okay. Um I'm going to go with Stuntman Santa. I don't correct. think correct.
0: Was- that is yeah. the false one. Yay. <laughs> Okay, two more to go. Uh, We're back to the storybook records from the 70s. This is another one that I own that includes stories Mm -hmm. that that feature Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman, including which of these? Number one, The Prisoner of Christmas Island, in which someone uses a nuclear submarine to melt an ice cap at the North Pole and kidnap Santa Claus. Wow. Or Intense. was it Terror in the Night Sky, in which someone has commandeered Santa's sleigh and reindeer intent on dropping bombs all over the world in a single night? Oh, my God. Or, number three, Light Up the Tree, Mr. President, in which at the White House, the Christmas tree lighting, the button used to turn on the tree lights is secretly wired to missile launchers intended to start World War Three. Oh,
1: okay. All right. I f- That last one sounds sounds superheroy. It's got to be either the first one or the second one. The first one with the melting of the ice caps and Christmas Island, that's really, that's really detailed. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to go with number one. It's the first one.
0: The false one was number two, the dropping bombs out of Santa's sleigh. Okay. But even though the other true ones, it's kind of, you know, they're, those are both true. There's a kid story from 1977 about (laughs) About dropping bombs. You know, some, you know, someone trying to start World War three. Oh, gosh. I remember like, growing course. up, uh, it was maybe the early 80s, those um, the movies about like Russia invading America, like Red yeah. Dawn. Or, I spent a yeah. lot of time being freaked out about that when I was I like, know,
1: yeah. being scared of war. <laughs> Jeez.
0: <laughs> okay, here's your final question. Final
1: question. And it question. has to do oh, with boy.
0: probably my favorite Christmas special of all, or one of them anyway, okay. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas.
1: Oh, I love Emmett Otter. Oh, we were just I watching just it the other their, day
0: they're doing a stage show. There's like a, like a play and really? the, that it's getting a reboot. Um, okay. like someone signed on in like in 2019 to redo it. And I don't know, like I just, this is one of those ones. It's, it's fine. I know. Why
1: do you have to mess with perfection? I mean, it's Paul Williams, right? He wrote all the music.
0: Is it? I don't know.
1: I think it's Paul Williams and he did the music for the uh, Muppets Christmas Carol too. And it's just okay. like, Oh, perfection as far as music goes.
0: Love it. The I just did a backstory episode about the cinnamon bear, which is this 1937 uh, radio serial. And then this year, Audible.com did a a reboot, revamp, reimagining, whatever with Alan Cumming and Ryan Reynolds. And, you know, I, I'm curious to check it out, but there, there was nothing wrong with the 1937. Right. It, it doesn't need a reboot. And is that's there, actually. Are know, there
1: really no more new ideas? We have to just keep rebooting everything?
0: I think it's just, you know, if you can get a bunch of celebrities involved with something, it'll, you know, generate some Drum some up buzz.
1: nostalgia yeah. and sell tickets because people want to feel nostalgic. But if you listen
0: to the 1937 original, surprisingly, there is only one anachronism in that like one thing that you're like wait what is that that must that sounds kind of old-timey oh. is that the girl wants a velocipede for christmas and a it's like a like a precursor to a modern bicycle oh but there's nothing else in it that like you just like what is that that must be some old-timey thing i don't understand right. like there, there's just it's just a story like anyone could follow it um and so i, I don't think it needed an update no okay let's talk about Emmett otter here yes, are three statements Emmett. about Emmett otter harvey the beaver is one of the members of the the jug Mm -hmm. band. uh, And for the puppet, his beaver teeth are actual beaver teeth. That's statement number one. Number two, the original version included an appearance from Kermit the Frog. Or statement number three, a song written for the special where the river meets the sea was actually played at Jim Henson's funeral.
1: Oh, geez. Oh, I do not think that the beaver teeth were real beaver teeth.
0: And you are correct. Yes. And yes. so this was, I was, I felt a little guilty about this question because what I said at the beginning is that when a statement's false, it's totally false. I'm not like yeah. taking a true one and changing Right. And
1: bending it to make it sound a little bit true.
0: And this one is iffy because all of that is true. The beaver teeth weren't, but the, uh, um, the porcupine, when do the porcupine? I was just it?
1: thinking about that. Were those quills real? It
0: was made with actual porcupine quills. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It looked pretty real.
0: <laughs> okay so so you got that one right so for so i think you got like six or seven or i don't know well let's just say Yay. you did wonderfully for <laughs> sure a bonus point in emmett <laughs> oh, otter's okay. jug band christmas what is the name of emmett otter's jug band
1: oh geez oh geez oh i can't i can't i can't tell you i know that there was the <laughs> the river bottom nightmare band mm-hmm. but oh i I'm sorry. I have no clue.
0: It was actually the Frogtown Hollow Jubilee Jug Band.
1: There you go. Perfect.
0: You know, and I want to say that Everybody
1: is, could remember that.
0: <laughs> the bad guys, the Riverbottom boys. Um, yeah,
1: they were cool though.
0: <laughs> they were cool, but they are the one thing that is always going to identify that special is from the 70s. Because right. if you take out everything else, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like this timeless story. And then all of a sudden, there's like an Alice Cooper concert in it. Yeah. And then it goes back to just being, you know, this, this like little, you know, otters on the river kind of thing Sweet
1: little country otters, yeah. And now it was based on a uh, gift of the magi, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. well, I mean, it was actually based on a children's book. But the story is, you know, has that kind of motif where right. each of them gives up something important to give a gift to the other, but then they right. realize it, yeah, all right. Oh. Well, this concludes our game of Two Truths and a lie. Thank you so much, Rachel, for playing,
1: oh, thanks, Brian. It's always a pleasure.
0: So, how did you do? Well, depending, tomorrow is either your chance to extend your winning streak, or redeem yourself. Either way, there's much more fun and Christmas spirit on tap. Tomorrow, the tables are turned when Rachel plays Quizmaster to me in a game of Shepherdy. I hope to see you tomorrow, and until then, let me remind you that Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California, by yours truly, Brian Earle. Thanks so much to Rachel in New York, and thank you, as always, for listening. Let's stay connected for the time remaining in the season and beyond. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to join our private Christmas Past Facebook group if you haven't yet. And even though time is winding down, there is still time for you to share a Christmas memory to appear in one of our remaining episodes. But at this point, you do have to hurry. Just record yourself speaking into your phone's voice memo app and send it to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. Keep it reasonably short, clean, and family-friendly, and be sure to say your name and where you're from. And if you're really feeling the Christmas spirit, why not help more people discover the show? It's as easy as telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do leave a review, I'll send you a Christmas Past sticker, and a handwritten Christmas card is my way of saying thanks. Reach out for details on that. Until tomorrow, may your days be merry and bright.